0: It's not always the big things that change the world. It's the small acts of kindness that happen
1: repeatedly over a lifetime that make the world a better place. So every week we share a story of someone like you who is doing good in the world in their own way. Welcome to Doing Good with Carmen Herbert.
0: Hello everyone. I'm Carmen Herbert and welcome to Doing Good. I'm so excited to have Kristen Andrus on the podcast today. I have been following slash stalking her on Instagram (laughs) for a while and just sent her a random message and said, oh, would you be willing to come on this podcast? And of course, because she's so amazing, she said yes. So a little bit about Kristen, for those of you who don't know who she is, she's the mother of six wild and crazy kiddos, is an avid exerciser, traveler, cook, and memory maker. She's obsessed with her husband, Jeremy, and giving back to her community and world. Kristen's faith and family are at the heart of her hands dirty, hearts a little broken mentality as she serves and loves those around her. Kristen, thank you so much for being here this morning.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Okay, so tell me a little bit about that phrase, hands dirty, hearts a little broken.
1: Yeah, so I read that online somewhere and I don't even know that I can attribute it to someone because it was like in an article or, you know, I it was through a couple of different sources that I, I saw it. And it just spoke to me. And I thought, that's how I want to give back. And that's how I want to serve. Hands dirty means that I'm involved. I'm I'm with people. I'm talking to people. I'm in their homes or in their lives. I'm not just sending in a check. And then the heart's a little broken is that I think the only way that we change through service and giving back is when we actually our hearts change and our hearts break a little bit. And I think it's easier to do that when your hands are a little bit dirty. And so you're involved with the people, you're talking to people, you're in their lives and and you see their lives differently than just kind of that keeping a distance and helping from afar. When you're in it, you, you see their eyes, you see their smiles, you see the heartbreak, you see what's hard and it breaks your heart a little bit. And I think about that a lot with my kids. And so it's for me, but it's also, I want my kids' hands to get a little dirty. doesn't happen a lot, right? Nowadays. (laughs) And their heart's a little bit broken. Cause I think if you walk away and it was just this awesome, great experience, super positive in all ways, your heart doesn't change and your heart doesn't break and you don't, it doesn't change you.
0: I love that so much. I completely agree that you have to feel some of the person's maybe pain or life experience that you're serving, but also it's good to feel sad for what they're going through and to mourn with them be like, oh my gosh, what would that be like if that was my life? My husband and I had an opportunity to go to Puerto Rico a few years ago when the Hurricane Maria hit. There was Mm -hmm. two hurricanes that my husband served as a mission there um, for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And when we were there, it was interesting because I had never really in there or walk the streets or, or seeing what, what he saw. And, and then I was seeing it from like a point of devastation mm-hmm. and meeting people one-on-one. And like you said, holding, I, I get emotional every time I think about it because it was honestly life-changing having them hold our hands and look into our eyes and thank you. We, we gave out solar powered generators and water and food to people that hadn't had that for months. And it was life-changing. And my little cute kids packed these little toiletry Ziploc bags. And we took pictures of the people that we gave them to and then sent them back to our kids. And we said, look at what your tiny little thing did. Mm. And someday I would love to give them the experience of meeting them one-on-one because there is such a difference. And humanitarian work is amazing. And doing what you can and sending the checks or sending the kits is great. But it's just different when you're in it with someone.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And I love that, that you talk about that, that you, you like to get your hands dirty and you like to be around people. Have you always been a people person? Has that always come easy to you to talk to people, to be with them, to serve them?
1: I think it has. Yeah. I'm, I'm very social. Um, I do love people. I love, you know, making new friends. I love new experiences. I love traveling but I also think with serving you don't have to be traveling to to do that. but I do love getting to know different cultures, different ways of life. I'm from California now live in Utah and so it's kind of in- interesting just even looking at how it is in different states. but yeah I think I think I always have been a people person and probably even more so with kids I actually felt more of a need that friendships were more important that you know just relationships and building that village around you and having friends and 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 serving people is even more important.
0: Absolutely. I totally agree. And I love you you did a post recently on your Instagram and you said that wherever you go on vacation with your family you try to give back to the community in some way. How has that how have your kids been with that? Are they like, "Oh, a service project?" or have they just gotten used to it like, "Oh no, this is what we do?"
1: Yeah, it's definitely part of our family culture. And it's what we do. And no matter where we go, uh, we always find something to do. And we always show up somewhere. You know, I think it's easy maybe as parents to say, oh, well, we donate to this organization. And we donate to the, and your kids have no idea. Right. And so when you say, we're going to be in Mexico and we're going to go and serve breakfast to these kids. Or we're wherever it may be um, in the world, even Hawaii, we, we wherever really we go, we find something. And I think they expect it. We hardly ever get pushback, and it's always an awesome, really unique opportunity. And one thing I always say that the part that they probably don't like, and this is in service in general, but also when we travel, is that I always I want them to suffer a little bit. I want them to be uncomfortable (laughs) a little bit. If they're like, "We're hot, we're tired, this is so heavy," I'm like, "Awesome, good, yes, that is exactly what I want." You're hungry. All of these kids haven't eaten for so long. We are last in line. Hold that box longer. Bring in more boxes. If you're tired, let's keep going because if this is the only time you're uncomfortable on this vacation or you know this week in in life, like that's awesome. And I think that once again, growth happens when we're uncomfortable. Yes. And our kids, we tend to just like create this bubble of life that kids are so comfortable. We want our kids to be so comfortable. We want them to be so happy. And so I think when I take them out of that bubble, I pop the bubble, and I'm like, no, this is real life. And yes, you're hot and yes, you're thirsty, and yes, you're tired, and you're hungry, and that's exactly what I want to see because now you understand just a little tiny glimpse for a couple of hours what these people are going through. And it makes them
0: appreciate what they have so much more. I love that. So how did you create that culture in your family? Did you know when you and Jeremy got married, this is what we're going to do when we have kids, or did it sort of evolve through what your husband does, and through what you do. So tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, it did. It did evolve a little. We always did a little bit of charity work here and there, and working with different organizations. But I'd say really, when it became part of our family culture, and I will say it wasn't like we didn't do any. And then it switched. It was we were doing some, and then we had a, I guess, school camp. We we went public with Skull Candy with my husband's company, and so that was kind of a big. Thing for us and our family. And I think we started, you know, giving a little bit more, doing a little bit more, but it was really when we sold the majority ownership in Traeger, we're still very much a part of it, but we sold about 75% of it. I tell the story where I'm sitting on the spin bike, um, in a class and my husband sends me text like transaction completed. And it was a, you know, it was a life changing, life altering thing. It could have been right. Like, and you could have gone in like this path and I just, or you could go on another path and we could yes. do more, we could, Give more, we could, and I felt this weight. I thought it would be this celebratory. Oh my gosh! Like this is so amazing. Let's go shopping. Like haha. <laughs> but it was actually this weight of oh my gosh! Like this changes our life, and and what does that mean? And where much is expected, uh, where much is given, much is required. You know, required. Thank you. And I just felt the weight of it, and it was this. It wasn't this like lift. It was, it was a really, it was a turning point in our family. And so we picked up our kids from school and we went shopping and we grocery shopping and we went and bought a bunch of food and brought a meal to the teen shelter. And we said, kids, this is what happened. This is what's going on. And they were pretty young at the time. And, um, ever since then, it's like, I'd say at least, at least once a week, we try to have a service, some type of opportunity where we're giving back, where we're helping, where we're mindful of those out there. I was I always want something on the calendar. I just feel like it's gonna keep us humble, keep our feet on the ground, looking outward, because the minute we start looking inward and thinking it's all about us, we've lost.
0: That is the most incredible story that you took something that is life-changing and and you could have said, Okay, we're set, we're good, you know, and now what are we gonna do? And you chose to look outward instead of inward. That is just such a testament to who you are and what you are teaching your children. I mean, that's what, that's what the savior does. I mean, that's just the most beautiful thing that you are taking the blessings that you've you've been given and the opportunities that you have and using them to give back and bless others. And what an incredible legacy you're leaving for your kids. That is just that's just amazing. That is I love that story. And I love that immediately, like right then that day, it wasn't like, okay, and now, then we'll think of something to do. You picked your kids up and you took food to people that needed it. And that was how you started that journey. It was, this is how we're going to live now the rest of our lives. And you've been doing that. I love following you so much on Instagram because not only – You are so giving and and so loving, but you are so fun. You're like Reese Witherspoon, I feel like. Like everyone wants to be your best friend. Like I want to be your best friend. I think you're so fun. And your husband posted something. He said that he showed a picture of you to to your kids. And they said, mom's just always laughing and having a ball and cracking herself up. Like she's just always happy. So in my experience in life, that extra dose of positivity knowing people that have that, usually they're not the people that have managed to skip out on the most pain, but found a way to learn from the hard and grow and, and turn it into good. So how have you done that in your life? What, what makes you such a happy, positive
1: person? I will say just my baseline, cause I actually think this is really important. I think my baseline is, is relatively happy. You know, some people's baseline, it's its a little bit lower. It's a little bit more maybe tending on like the depressive side. And they're always trying to kind of get out of that. And so I don't want to say like, oh, I have the key to happiness and why I'm so easily, you know, easily happy and things like that. I think I was born with a really great baseline of like positivity. Um, My parents are super positive, active, happy people. Um, We awesome. always like just were like, this is funny because now I kind of look back. And I don't know if this is good or bad, but I was always the exception. It was like, no, but you're, you're just amazing. You are all of these things Like you can do. Like you are always the exception. And so my husband would laugh when we first started dating and got married because whatever it was like in anything in life, I'm like, no, like we're the exception, you know, like, no, we can do like whatever we want. And, and he feels that way, but in, in like a le- in, in a different way. And so I think just having like positive parents, seeing, their positive marriage. I choose to be happy. I choose. I mean, there is a point every day in my life where I could cry like no now. I'm very blessed right now. Right now we have health. We have, you know, we are very, very blessed right now, but I have six kids and I have X, you know, I family and I have stuff, of course, have stuff, but I always say it's like that majority Hinkley. Like I choose to laugh instead of cry you know? And, and I actually think social media in a funny way kind of helps me do that a little bit. Like I sit there, I came up after this amazing cooking class last night and my kids' rooms were disasters. They weren't going to bed. And I was so tired. And so I was like, I was about to like take a video and be like, I had this delicious spread downstairs. It was beautiful. It was this most magical evening. And you walk upstairs and it's just like dark and yelling and (laughs) food everywhere. I was like, yeah, this is like, this pretty much is my life. And so yep. I just laughed. I like took a short little video. I didn't even post it because I was just like, this is for me. Like just keep me down, keep me humble. Right. In those moments. And I do cry and I do have my hard times, but most of the time I choose to be happy. I choose to find the fun. I let go. I mean, the whole easy being easy in marriage. I let almost everything go. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that don't do that. And, and he does too. Like when you do that and he does that, unless there is very important things that you need to like discuss in your life, but the little stuff and most of marriage is the little stuff. I let it go and he lets it go. And we are so happy. We find joy with each other. We have fun together. I can have fun with my kids. If I'm not expecting a perfect house and you know, the perfect life and the perfect kids and them not fighting, my expectations are fairly low, and I promise you, my happiness level is higher because of that. Expectation, low expectations, you are happier. They say that happiness is a difference between your reality and your expectations. Okay, difference. And so, if your expectations, and that's why you go to a third world country and you're helping these these kids, their expectations of their life is what their life is. And they're very, very happy. Yes. We have these high expectations of our husbands and our friends and our lives and our homes and all of that stuff. And our, our reality never matches with our expectations that does not create happiness. And so I literally expectations of my husband are low expectations of my crazy six kids are low of everything in my life are low. And so if it exceeds it, I am thrilled. If there's not a big fight every morning, I'm totally happy with it. If scripture study in the morning, we actually get through it, you know, and everyone's doing hair and buggy, it's like it's all Great. good. You it's know. All good.
0: That is such a like the ideal way to live. Like just to have low expectations, but expect wonderful things and have fun. You do have fun with your husband right. and with your kids. And you play you you show you show so many, you know, posts and videos of you just genuinely enjoying family life. So I feel like my base level, I'm, I'm more of like drama. So I have like the really high, (laughs) I'm like, yes, the high highs and then the low lows. And I'm like, oh, but it's like the angst and, and dating my husband, it was like, we broke up and then we got back together and then we broke up and we got, it was like everything was like a drama from start to finish. So that's kind of how it is in my family life too. And I'm trying to kind of bring myself back and like not, you know, everything isn't a big deal for me. Everything is like a big deal. And if I don't get something done, it's a big deal. And then it goes back on, well, I'm failing at this and I'm failing at that and I'm not good at this. So what do you do to stay positive? Like to model that for your kids, like, listen, it's not a big deal. Like really like the, don't sweat the small stuff. It seems like that's like your mantra. Don't sweat the small stuff. What do you do to let it go? Like it's easy to say, oh, we let it go. How do you let it go?
1: Okay. I have one piece of advice for this. Talk less, say less, sit back, observe, observe breakfast, observe your kids getting ready. It's the constant that we are talking at our kids We are yelling at our kids. We are, it it is nonstop. And I find the mornings are better. The bedtimes are better. Those stressful times. There's a couple of times during my day that are a little bit more stressful with my kids. Yes. I can just step back and observe and talk less. It's really weird, but try it. Okay. We want to be in their faces. We want to tell them to hurry, hurry, hurry. Five more minutes. And We do not stop talking at them. Now that's different than sitting in bed and talking to your child about their day. Yes, so in the drama, in the stress, in the overwhelm, stop talking. It will change your life and it will change the mood of your home. How did you how did you come up with that? You know, honestly, by default, I just found myself being annoyed at what I couldn't help myself just bantering at my kids all and it's mostly the mornings. The mornings are the stressful cuz we're trying to get ready and yeah, school time and yeah. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Five more minutes. Five more minutes. And I was just like, you like lady, you're crazy. This is not helping matters. So then I was like, I'm going to go down and work out and then I'm going to come up and when I am not around things go better. <laughs> it really does. The other morning I was like, you guys, I'm going to be down working out. Get ready. They did. They did without me harassing them all morning long. So then our better mornings are when I'm like, I literally have to say, Kristen, shut your mouth and let them get ready. Let them, let them figure out their stuff. If there's, and so it was more, I was so frustrated with myself for being so kind of obnoxious to my kids all day because I was yeah. just at them that I just was like, I'm just going to sit here and be quiet. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait this is working. I'm not creating this horrible mood in our home. And and I say a lot that we are, the moms dictate the mood of the home. Like we are totally, our mood will dictate. So if it is drama filled, all of that, we are just, we can't stop talking and we can't keep our minds, you know, calm and clear. That's how our homes will be. It's so Mm -hmm. true dictate that. And if you can just kind of like bring that on, even if your mood is elevated, but you're not talking, it will help. Try it. I want to hear what you think.
0: I'm totally, totally going to try that because I do. Even this morning, where's your backpack? Where's your lunch? Why didn't you do this? And then sometimes they'll sit there and like, kind of look at me blankly. And I'm like, why aren't you saying anything? Why are you just staring at me? And they're like, cause you are still talking. Like, I didn't know what to say. I'm like, say something. And they're like, I couldn't even get like a breath. You know what I mean? Like I can't even say anything. And Mike, my, I have a seven year old boy who's so much like me. Like we, he's the boy version of me and he's, he's so fun. He's so outgoing. He has tons of friends, but he's the drama too. He's why don't you like me? And this person, this person said she didn't like me at recess. And so, and he comes home and he has all these stories to tell me. And, he's loud. And it's funny. Sometimes I'll look at him and I'm like, where did you come from? And that, and my husband's like, Oh yeah, he's you. <laughs> this is who you are. But it is. And, and my grandma, she's told me, she said, you don't need to say a word to your kids. They will do what you do. They will act how you act. If you want them to be quiet and be kind, you be quiet and you be kind. If you want them to read their scriptures, they have to see you reading their scriptures. They will mimic you. She's like, it's kind of terrifying actually that they will be who you are she's like, so be who you want them to be. I'm like, oh, grandma, that's, it is, it's terrifying. Like, wait. So I've had to kind of this year, especially since because of COVID-19 and we've all been home and with each other, I found that I've had to sort of redefine that family dynamic. And okay, who, who do I want my kids to be? And how am I emulating that for them? How <laughs> have, how has your, um, or has your family culture or dynamic, the mood in your home changed since COVID-19? Like, have you found that your there are things that you've noticed in your kids that you didn't before, or you're getting along better or worse, or what advice would you have for moms that are like, oh my gosh, but I'm still just barely surviving?
1: Yeah, I think it's so tricky. I noticed that the kids were fighting so much, you know, the beginning was fine And then there was just like too much together time. I don't, my kids are back in school. And so that I find that that's really helping. And I have an eight-year-old and she's really, really tricky. And so is my six-year-old, but them just spending more time apart at school right now helps keeping them in their activities and engaged, um, having them, you know, play with friends apart from each other helps. I just feel like when you're together too much, you do need that separation and then you enjoy being together. Yes. Yes. so that's that's helped a lot but if you're still home doing homeschool i think lowering your expectations i really do like this is a hard time and if you expect that every zoom call is going to be attended and every homework is going to be turned in and your kids are gonna be quiet and listening and you know but it's just like i think give yourself grace give yourself a break know that this too shall pass and lower your expectations and then lower them even more and just be grateful when anything, anything good happens. If there's, if there's fighting, I kind of tend to think that they need to figure it out themselves. You intervening is normally not the best way of having them find a solution. So I think the more you back off, even with younger kids, like we just talked about, I actually feel like they do a little bit better when you're in the mix of it all. I don't know that we're actually very helpful in the end.
0: Interesting. My, so I have four boys, like I said, and boys it seems to always escalate to violence like they start getting at it and then it's always a punch a smack a scratch and my husband's so funny because he'll be like don't scratch each other at least like punch him like don't be <laughs> I'm like this is horrible advice <laughs> he's like don't be a girl about it and I'm like hey we've had conversations about that too like the girl talk but seriously it's I have found that even though it is like okay you, I feel like you guys are going to kill each other. They don't like, they do break it up and they do calm down. And if I kind of, uh, step back, they usually can figure it out. And then they learn how to figure it out. It's not like mom, mom. I'm like, you guys are, I'm like, you, you can't say my name all the time. Even just like say Carmen. I just can't hear mom one more time today. (laughs) Like I just can't hear that word. So if they're going at it and like mom, but then they figure it out. It's like, Oh, and then they're not calling on me so much to do little things like he took my eraser.
1: That's great advice. Yeah. Step back a little bit more. Step back and leave them alone. And then the other thing I would say is make sure that you set aside and schedule time for yourself. If your kids are home and you are still barely hanging on by a thread, which I'm sure a lot of of people are, you need to schedule. Maybe it's your husband coming in during the lunch hour so you can go on a walk or getting up early to go work out. You know, I'm such a believer in exercise and taking time for yourself and scheduling it in. If you just think it's going to happen and that like this week I need some time on, it will not happen. You have to schedule it in, make it a priority, let your husband know, your spouse know it's a priority and that this is what you need in order to maintain sanity in your home. And let them know on Thursday, I'm taking a walk with a girlfriend. On Wednesday at lunch, I'd love for you to like, I'm gonna turn on show for the kids and I'm gonna go lay down, like whatever it may be, but schedule that into your day or you will be dry. You will have nothing to give back and to be there for your kids and your spouse and your family.
0: That is such great advice. And I wanted to ask you about that, particularly with exercise. Like I said, Reese Witherspoon, Legally Blonde, when she's like, endorphins make you happy and happy people don't want to kill people. (laughs) Happy people just genuine when you have those endorphins. And I recognize that like when I work out and when I get my, my exercise in, I do feel better. But doing that for me, Kristen, is like the hardest thing. And I don't know why it just I've always like I danced. I was a cheerleader. Like, I was always active growing up, but I never loved working out. It just was never, and I never, this sounds awful. I never really had to. Like, you know, I, I didn't gain a whole lot of weight. And then I had kids. <laughs> and then, and then your body changes and gains weight. And it's like, oh, I, this would be beneficial for me, not only mentally, but yeah, physically for sure. Like, let's lose that banana roll under the bum. That would maybe be a good thing. <laughs> Keep the spark alive in my marriage. Let's get rid of those. But, finding time to do that is so hard. And I, and I will just admit, I hate exercising. I I love how I feel after. So I do it for the after, but I don't know what it does while I'm doing it. I get mad. I frequently cry. I'm like a psychopathic. I don't know what hormone, what changes in my brain, but it releases something that, like we were on a run the other day, my husband and I, and he's like, so it'd be fun if maybe there was like some tennis players playing outside. What if you joined a tennis league? And I'm all, don't talk to me about playing tennis. He's like, okay, sorry. Just having conversation. I'm like, don't talk to me. then five minutes later, I'm like, why aren't you talking to me? You have to talk to me and talk me through this. So how do I fall in love with exercise? When do you do it? How do you do it? I know you have so many awesome videos of you working out, and I just watch them. I don't ever do them. I watch them and wish
1: that I was doing them. <laughs> so please help me. What do I do? Have to someone okay. like me? Yep, I have a couple things. Okay, okay. Number one is scheduling it in, and maybe it's like five minutes, maybe it's ten minutes, but finding time. Like you said, I'm I'm always trying to find time. Like you need to make the time. You need to say this is when it works for me. For me, it works in the morning, either before my kids get up or once they're all in school at like nine 15. Okay. So those are kind of my two times. I could never, it would be like, if you're like, you need to work out at 5.00 PM every night. And I'm like, no, but I, I couldn't do that. So for me, that works. Maybe for someone it's at nine at night. Maybe for some it's 5.00 AM in the morning. I don't know what that is, but it's finding a time that works best for you. That's consistent. Okay. Okay. Truly believe that if there's a consistent time, your kids are in school for two hours every day and that first hour, it's hard. It eats up a lot of your time. So you could do it before they get up, but but really find a time that is that you can do most consistently. And maybe it's just three times a week. And maybe one of those times is Saturday when your spouse is home. So maybe it's just two days during the week that you have to find that time. Number two, and most importantly, it has to be fun. If you hate it, you will not do it and it will not stick. So running may not be your thing. It sounds like you
0: hate it. I hate it. I do running. hate it, but but we have to run in our family. My parents, like I'm doing a half marathon with them in two weeks, I this is what we do. Like they sign us up for half marathons, they buy us running clothes and they make us. This is what
1: honestly <laughs> pack all of this, but there may, there may be some underlying things here that we need to talk about later. <laughs> okay, so you're doing okay. that with your family, which is fine. But yes. for you, maybe high fitness is your thing. Maybe a Zumba is your thing. Maybe, like, don't like I love F45 because I love weights, but I don't love Zumba because I'm not really a dancer. And so, if I was forced to go to Zumba every single day, I'd be like, I hate this. This is not my thing. Or if I was forced to run every day, I promise you, it would not happen because okay. I don't like to run. So, you need to find your fun if you, if it's fun and enjoyable, you will keep coming back. You've got to find your thing. What is the least, you know, I I don't know, maybe it's not fun from the get go, but you find fun in it. But like what, what's the least painful for you and start there, go with friends, find a friend in your class, like find things that you love about it. Okay. If it's not fun, it's not going to stick. And so don't force yourself to do something that, You don't like because it just, it is painful. And then you'll associate in your brain exercise is painful and exercise is not fun and it's forced. And I think maybe that's what running like, you're like, I have to, I have the clothes I have to, I have to, and you hate it. And so then you're like, I hate exercise. And it pulls up this crazy stuff in your brain. I don't know that is really good advice. I'm going to look into that.
0: Um, I, and I do like, that's the thing is once, once I'm doing it and once, and when I finish always, I'm like, I feel so much better. It's getting into it and going to the gym and being around other people that have the cute outfits and the cute, and this is look, see, I told you, this is like totally psychiatry session for me. Like the girls that are ready and they look so darling. And I'm like, but aren't we all peeing our pants and looking gross? Like well, you guys all look so cute. Like, <gasps> why are you ready to work out? And so I feel like, well then I have to get ready. And then that's another thing that's like, oh well then then I don't wanna I can't take time to look good when I'm sweating and looking gross. Do you know what I mean?
1: I'm- so absolutely. A girl just messaged me the other day and she said, I feel like I have to wear makeup if I work out with you. And I said, here's the deal sister. I have fake eyelashes that I get done extensions. And I put on really bright lipstick. (sighs) That is it. Like, no, I said, I put it on because I'm working out in front of hundreds or thousands of people. Right. Not put on lipstick. Do not. I said, I hope like I would never want you to put on makeup to work out with me. And it actually like hurt my heart when she said that, because I'm like, I don't want to portray that. So you do you, you being there. I think yeah. Don't don't look at don't look at the other people who are in the bright lipstick like me because it's more that it's more for me. It's not for other people. It's like I'm just feeling old and wrinkly, and so lipstick helps me a little bit. You know. It, oh it, my it's, gosh. It's,
0: it's, but right. you do you do look so darling when you work out. And I like I said I have watched not done them. In fact, I I watched your the five pound. What was the one that you did? The five yeah, pound workout. Amazing and i'm like i really want to do that i don't look like her though when i work out and so but it looks so fun but you do you you are so darling and beautiful and i will just say it it's intimidating to be like but i want i want to be like you how and i don't know how to be like you
1: because you know what i mean like how do i, do I you no know, how- one thing i do love exercise clothes so i do get super cute actually my husband buys them for me i always laugh cuz he's like you need an updated exercise wardrobe, like this is years ago. Oh, and then you so cute. with it, which is so cute. So, like for birthday gifts, but I do love to exercise and I'm doing it in front of people. And so it actually makes it fun for me because I can look in bright pink colors, and right. you know, and then it makes exercise more fun. Now, some days I get up, I went to F 45 today, I looked like a disaster, and that's great too, you know. <laughs> So do you work out mostly from home or do you go to a gym to work out? I do both. So I do classes, classes that I love that are, you know, work for me. I I like high fitness because I actually, I always say this, high fitness is hard for me. I don't love to bounce, but I have good friends there. And so I keep coming back because it's like a total party. It's a party. It's It's so fun. Tricky for me. It doesn't go well with my body. I love F45 because it's weights. And then I work out at home. I do yoga. I love hot, sweaty yoga. That's like my drug of choice and makes me feel so good and centered. And that's been really fun.
0: I love that, that my husband just started doing yoga because he has a bad back and he's like, I cannot believe I'm here. And he's like, Carmen, I'm telling you like, and and he likes hot yoga too. He comes back and he's like, my back feels amazing. I feel flexible. He's like, they gave us stones to put on our heads and like intention and, you know, feel the joy. And he's like, I laughed through it and he's like, but actually I really love it and it really helps. And I really love yoga too. I think that's awesome. So really quick, what is, you keep saying F45, what is that?
1: So that's like a circuit workout. It's a four, it's 45 minutes. You're in and out so fast. It's a, um, it's kind of a chain. They're all over Utah. They're actually all over the country. Um, But I love that it's 45 minutes. And so I can be, I can leave my house and then be back at my house within an hour. They have them. Every hour seven, you know, six thirty, seven thirty, eight thirty, and so I'll just try to fit it in. Um, you sign up ahead of time, but it's a franchise, so there's a bunch of franchises all over Utah and, and different states, and it's such a good bang for your buck because you go in, you work super hard, and uh, and you're done in forty five minutes.
0: And it's weights, like circuit weights. Cool. So it'll
1: go weights one day, cardio one day, weights one day, cardio, one day, and so it switches off. And then Saturdays an hour, and it's a combo. It's oh, great.
0: Awesome. So do your kids work out with you?
1: You know, my daughters, my oldest is a dancer and then one is in tumbling and soccer. And so they see me working out just like I saw my parents working out every single day of my life. And so they know, they know I do my workout videos and I always, I'll share little snippets of stories that people send me like, I never worked out and now I do. And I've feeling so much better. Or, you know, I love sharing stories so that they understand why I do what I do. Cause they're free workouts. You can do them at home. You can have a tiny apartment and do them really anywhere in the world. And so they see our Jeremy, my husband works out every day as well. Sundays we take our rest day and they see the importance. And then in their sports, they, um, work out. I'm not sure at their age that they should be like lifting weights or doing real true exercise, but their sports, they get, they get a lot of movement.
0: That's awesome. And so you guys have that, you know, like I said, those endorphins and, and and feel happy because you're, Moving your bodies. And and you also are a big proponent of healthy eating. You cook on, so obviously Traeger Grills, your husband. So tell us really quickly for those of you, for those who don't know, your husband, was he the creator, the
1: inventor, the co owner of Traeger Grills? Okay. So it's actually like a 37 year old business. So we bought Traeger Grills, it was up in Oregon. Wilson, okay. But- And so we bought it about seven years ago and it was kind of a toxic culture. It was really not well known. They did no marketing Pacific Northwest. People knew about it, but no one else did. And so we came in, bought it, and then literally got rid of everybody up there because it just was pretty an unhealthy organization. We moved it down to sugar house in Utah and we just started from scratch. He hired a whole new team and we really just rebranded and re started the business. And so it has been around forever, but now there's, you know, a lot of connectivity in terms of Wi-Fi, and it's become an amazing brand that's just growing like crazy. And it's a lifestyle brand. It's a grill, it's a smoker. It does a lot of different things, but it's really about creating delicious food, sharing it with your friends, community, family, bringing people together, you know, creating a more flavorful world is what we say.
0: And I love that so much. And you do, you are so, you post pictures all the time, like just eating with your family and creating those memories, but also inviting, you love inviting people to your table. Like let's all come together from di- different walks of life and share in the sustenance, this food that we can all enjoy and love and then learn from each other. It's like this culture thing. And it's amazing what you've been able to create. And it's so funny. That's like you know, from a grill, but really, like you said, it's so much more than that. It goes so much deeper than that. And just from my experience, we have a Traeger, we have the Timberline um, and my husband is obsessed. Like every mission farewell, he smokes the meat. Like he does all of it. He has like the shirt that says I'd smoke that. Like he, (laughs) his hat, he loves it. Like he has all this stuff and all, and, and he's always excited about getting the new pellets and the new sauces. And we really have created So many amazing every Friday night is pizza night. We smoke pizzas on the Traeger and it's these memories with our family that, that are so meaningful. And it's funny that food really does, I think bring us together and it create wonderful memories like around food. Like it's just, you just do. And so what are some of your very favorite things to cook with your family or for other people?
1: You know, that's a good question. I actually, we always love, we do use our trigger for the protein. So we love steaks, you know, steaks are kind of pricey. So we'll do steaks for like our family. If we're doing like a big group. Oh, we'll do chicken. We'll do salmon. We just did like a big thing of shrimp. We always do like a big salad, um, yummy bread. I, I kind of buy my way out of half of our dinners, I'd say. So like, <laughs> and like make a yummy salad, and then I'll buy the bread and dessert. And you know, because you can't do it all. And people, yeah. and I will say, people don't even care what you make them. I always say, like, bring out some like sparkling water and some peanuts, and people just want to sit with you. They want to be invited into your home, invited into your yes. table. I love that whole like scruffy hospitality that, like, your house doesn't need to be perfect and shouldn't be perfect. You know, we try to like clean up before people come over, but they actually feel more comfortable in your home. If it's not all cleaned up and sparkling clean, totally want to be invited. And so don't ever let, you know, I I had this amazing note from someone that said, I don't even own a kitchen table. She said, but you've really inspired me to invite people into my home because it doesn't matter. They don't care. And she said, I put two little card tables together. And I put, she said, it was the best night of my life. She said, I invited friends over because I don't even have a table, but she said, that didn't matter. I moved these two little coffee tables. I made a table and put some chairs around it. And she said, no one looked around or cared. You know, they just wanted to be together. And it, it literally brought me to tears. And I still think about it all the time. Cause that's what it is. It's not, you can make these amazing meals, And here's the thing when I make amazing meals, it's for me. I love doing that. You may have people and your husband loves doing that, but there may be friends and family who don't love doing that. So it doesn't have to be a fancy meal. So don't feel like if you can't do an amazing chicken or ribs or something on the Traeger, that it's like we can't invite. Have mac and cheese for the kids and like order pizza and sit around and just, you know, break bread together, love each other, support each other, um, invite people into your home. COVID. Free.
0: <laughs> COVID free with masks on or no, exactly. you can take your masks off to eat. Okay. So you have been just an amazing example of that, of in, of making people feel welcome at your table. And I love that you said it doesn't have to be Pinterest worthy. It doesn't have to be the fancy charcuterie. I don't even know what is it? Tell, Say it again. Charcuterie. 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 Okay. See, that doesn't have to be that. All the time, but that's kind of what you see. Like, look how beautiful the the spread is. But it doesn't. In fact, you did a McDonald's one in the back of your car.
1: (laughs) The cooking class last night. This one of the women that attended. She's like, I put our corn dogs, like our Costco corn dogs, on the Traeger. She's like, they were amazing. And I was like, that gave me a really good idea. Like, just like all the crap, like on the Traeger. I just thought it'd be like it's such a fun idea. But like exactly, throw the corn dogs on the grill and you know, just kind of make it fun. And I always say like, when people come in, it's just like how you are with your kids. You are the reflection on your guests. If you're stressed and feeling like, Oh, this isn't good enough. Then that's how everyone will feel. But if you yes. come in like, welcome to my home, it's a crazy disaster, but like, I love you anyways. Like think of how loved people feel when you do that. So true. And I think people have a hard time letting go with that. Now, here's the thing. Some people are going to be listening to this that follow me and they're like, you are such a hypocrite. (laughs) Okay. I have, I have lots of help. I have a full-time nanny. I have cleaning, i have cleaning team. I have, and I love doing big, beautiful charcuterie boards, but I love it. I love it. I I would be happy serving mac and cheese to friends and potato chips. Truly. I don't think they care. It's because I love the process of entertaining and I love the process of beautiful food. That's my love language. That's why I do it. I don't do it to impress others. It's because I find so much joy in it. And if you don't find joy in that, which a lot don't, it doesn't have to be beautiful and a big charcuterie board. Just have McDonald's. Just have McDonald's. Do a McDonald's charcuterie board. (laughs) Yeah. So
0: speaking of that, you had an incredible dinner recently where you invited teens to your home to talk about race and equality and love and acceptance. And you said it was life-changing. It was, it it was amazing. And was this one really fast, Kristen? Was this the one where you said, look what happens with an idea?
1: That was the first one. That was the first one. We did a panel discussion on race where we invited, um, influencers And I had black men and women kind of from all different, you know, walks of life, different backgrounds coming and speaking, because I saw influencers online with the whole Black Lives Matter movement really, and myself included, really just like, what do we do? We want to, what do we do? do do?" And I found them really floundering. And I thought we need to, I found an awesome moderator, um, Cheryl Ellsworth, who was just incredible. And we had a really powerful night talking to these influencers and we had a, you know, our audience was probably half black and half white and really talked about hard topics. We did not, it was not easy to hear. They spoke straight and they told us how it is and what we can do to be allies and to be helpful. And that just being kind is not good enough. And there were really powerful moments. There was one, um, a refugee friend of mine, who's probably 19 or 20. She kind of closed off the night. She said, I want to have the, the final remarks. And she's a Christian and uh, it wasn't, you know, definitely wasn't a, a complete members of the church evening. It, w- it was a mixture of of different religions and, and things. And she said something so profound to me that still sticks with me. And she said, and she's not from here, do not hide behind your religion do not say I am Christian. I check the box. I pray, check the box. She said it being an ally and being anti-racist is not being Christian is not enough. she said, don't say I'm a member of this church. And so I love everyone. I love God. Check the box. She said, it is more than that. Don't hide behind your religion. And that was the end of the night. And I was just, I thought, yes, I think we do that. We, we say, Heavenly father loves everyone. I love everyone. Love your neighbors. Love. And it's more than that. It goes deeper than that. And that was a really aha moment for me. And then with the teen race discussion, which was about a month later, we brought in teens from all different high schools, male and female, and then a black high school coach. And it was, and we, and we put it online so that other teens could listen. And what I really loved about it is I think part of part of what we're going through with the movement of being more racially observant and, and loving and caring and being an ally is that some is just ignorance and some is hatred and some is meanness and bullying and all of that. But I felt like after you listened to this evening and you heard these, you sat in their shoes for just a moment, these teens walked away and they said, now I know. And when you know better, you have to do better. And some of these teens were just in tears telling their stories about how People have made them feel. And most of these teens let it all go. They do not say anything. They do not stand up for the, these black teens. They do not stand up for themselves because they do not want to cause a, a ripple. They just right. want to let this get a, go away. But they stood up for themselves and for other people of color and said, it is not okay. And we are ready to tell you this, and we're ready to tell you how we feel. And as a friend said, we are putting it out there. We are telling you, we have, we've pretended like it's okay for so long and it's not. And we're handing it to you. We're showing it to you. We're saying, here's the hurt and the pain and the, and the examples and the stories. And then we're holding it like, and then we're just sitting back and saying, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with our stories? What are you going to do with our pain? Are you going to pretend it doesn't happen? Or are you going to do something about it? And that, it was a really profound evening and it touched, it touched our hearts and it absolutely changed everyone that listened to it.
0: How did it make you want to do things differently when after that evening for people like me that are listening to that and thinking that sounds so incredible
1: and now what? I know. And now what, and and I will say, I think getting groups together and talking about it is so important. We kind of scooted around some COVID stuff and I find it so interesting. This is all happening during COVID because we wanted to do like an athletic, like our next one was going to be an athletic one because athletics, you have boys, yes, coaches, athletes. It's actually rampant with athletes, with, with racism and all of that. And so a lot of the moms that have, um, kids of color really felt like that would be our next step in, into this, but it's hard to get groups together. But I would say talking to your children, talking about race is not racist talking about, you know, maybe sharing some of these. There was one kid at the very end that this curly hair. Um, he probably spoke just for, just for about five minutes, but maybe sharing part of that video. It's on the Utah black chamber of commerce website Okay, about it, having a family home evening about it, talking about it on Sunday, but continuing the conversation. So talking to your kids about it. Um, pulling them out of their bubble. we talked about this in the beginning. like take them out of your neighborhood for a minute. go yeah. serve different places, have friends of different color. It's hard in Utah because it's I won't say it's hard. you just have to search it out. you have to you have to take time to do things like that. but right. get out of your comfort zone and try to create friendships of people from different places, different parts of the world. Mentor a refugee family. That's been huge for us they know that their kids are our, our refugee families like family now and their kids just like us. They're going yeah. through, you know, that's what my kids think. They're going through harder things than us, but their kids just like us too. And my right. little boy says black skin doesn't matter. Like she says it all the time. It's so cute. It's like, it totally doesn't. She truly believes that, but she's also grown up in the last year of us now talking about it. My right. child never said that, but we're actually opening up the conversation. I think it's opening up your circle you know, where you can, and it is, it's, it's things like books, it's things like media, just like having a broader, uh, world than just looking at people that are exactly like you.
0: I think that's such great advice to broaden your circle and kids are so loving and accepting. And again, they will emulate you and they will do what you do and say what you say. And so if it's not an issue for you and you don't make it weird or uncomfortable, or I don't know how to approach it. I think that sometimes... What we get caught up in. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to approach it. Just start talking. Just open up the conversation. This is what's going on. And how do you feel about this? And are there any kids that have different color skin, different hair, different eyes, different at your school? And how do people treat them? And why do you think they treat them that way? And I think it's so important that you just open up that dialogue. I have two stories that made made me think of when you were talking is one when my little guy was like four years old And we have a cute friend in our neighborhood. They've actually moved since, but he was black and he's the most amazing, darling little boy. And he learned to ride his bike when he was like three years old. And so he was like this, like he would get on his bike and ride around the neighborhood, this tiny itty bitty boy. And my little guys, like we were talking and there were a bunch of kids at the park and he ran up to me and he's like, did you see that, that boy on the bike? What's his name? And there were like three kids on their bikes. And I'm like, which one? And he's like, that, that one. And I didn't know who he was talking to. So I said, was it so-and-so, so-and-so was it Eli? And he's like, who's Eli? And I said, he's the black boy. And he said, no, he's the blue boy because he was wearing a blue shirt. (laughs) I'm like, it was so cute. Cause I was trying to like, wait, which one trying to decipher? Like, the black, like thinking, Oh, well just, you know, he's, he looks different. And he was like, no, he, he wasn't even looking at that. It was, he had on a blue shirt. It was the blue boy. And I'm like, kids really don't see that any differently until they start to get, I think a little bit older and it becomes sort of more ingrained and, Oh, you're different. And if we can make it so, yes, but look how amazing you are. And they're, no one is better, no one is more loved, no one is more needed. We are all brothers and sisters here for each other, here together. We had a repairman come to our house last year, and he was black. And my little boy, this was this like the same boy, now he years older, my inquisitive one who asks a million questions, and he was fixing our TV, and he just blurted out, He's like, Why are you black? And it was just, he honestly wanted to know why his skin was black. Like, why are you it wasn't why are you black? As in a black person, it's your skin is black. I don't see that a whole lot where I am. And my face went like ashen white. Like, what is this man gonna think I teach my kids? Like, where did that question come from? And I and so I opened my mouth to say something and he makes me so emotional. He smiled at my little boy and he said, When I was born, Jesus dipped me in chocolate before he sent me to earth. (laughs) <laughs> and I, my little and my little boy was like oh like that okay like cool and I said Briggs I said Jesus makes all of us different there's so many different flowers and so many different trees and so many different animals and Heavenly Father makes all of his children different too we all look different and he's like oh and it was as simple as that and then he w- went off and was playing so as this man was leaving I was like I feel like I need to say something, but I felt so embarrassed and I didn't know what to say. And so as he was leaving, I said, I am so sorry. I said, I'm I'm sorry if that made you uncomfortable. What can I do next time that happens? What can I say? Or how can I teach my kids? And he said, Oh honey, he said, you are doing so good. He's like, He's a little boy. He doesn't know. He I look different than you do. He you probably don't have a lot of black people in your neighborhood. And it's true, we don't. And he said, But you did the right thing. He said, You are such a great mom. And he built me up. And Mm -hmm. he was so kind to me. And I thought, you know what? We just need to stop being afraid of saying something, or what are we gonna say? Or oh, this is so awkward. And just love each other, give each other the benefit of the doubt, and just. Just open our mouth and just talk, hey, I don't know what to say when this happens. What should I do? Or hey, what should I do when my kid says this? And ask them like you did, yeah. like you had a panel, like what should we do? What should we say? Yeah.
1: Tell me, let me learn and be better. Right. Yeah. And I think focusing on the individual, it can be so like political right now. We can, yes. a lot of people are like, they would just, oh, Black Lives Matter organization, they do this. And I'm like, I don't, I actually don't care what they do if I'm not sending them money, I care about the individual. I care about people's stories. I care about people like one-on-one you and you and you, like I care about people. Yes. That's where I think you can't, you can't say, I don't know. So I, I do think it's been tricky lately, but I, when I think about, no, it's about the person. It's just like you said, it's about this man. It's about the little boy. It's about the people in our lives that we can love and protect and show that we care for.
0: Yep, one of my really dear friends is Alex Boyer, and he's just, I think, one of the most talented people ever. And we were talking a while ago, and he just said, "If we would all just focus more on Christ, and 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 on Jesus Christ, and and saying His name, and living the way He lives, that's what we need to do." And I think that it's so true. It comes back to what He did, and what you are doing, Kristen, is focusing on the One, being inclusive and loving. Teaching your children how to serve others, how to look out for that one person that needs you, that one little family, that that one little school in Mexico, whatever it is, just that one person and making a difference in their life. And then that causes the ripple effect. And you've been able to do that so beautifully in your family. I'm so happy that you came on doing good today. Thank you so much for all the good you are doing for our community It has been such a blessing.
1: Yes, thank you so much. That was wonderful. Thank you so much for tuning in and
0: listening. I'm Carmen Herbert. Thanks for listening to this episode of Doing Good with Carmen Herbert, available exclusively inside Our Turtle House. At Our Turtle House, there's something for the whole family. From full-length talks that you can't get anywhere else from some of your favorite speakers, to fun family home evening lesson plans that follow the Come Follow Me curriculum. There's even short daily devotionals made specifically for your teens. Plus, you can get two months free when you sign up for an annual plan. Just go to OurTurtleHouse.com to get started. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you back here for another episode of Doing Good next week.